If you have your Bibles, go ahead and grab your Bibles this morning. And uh, today we are actually beginning what we are calling an Antioch Family Christmas. So uh, yeah, you can clap your hands if you'd like. Uh, Let me pray and uh, we'll hit the ground running. Father, we're just so grateful this morning for your goodness and we're so grateful for your faithfulness to us. And Lord, today, as we are entering into the advent of Christ, this season where we recognize that Jesus Christ has come, that God, you chose not to be distant, you chose to send your only son, Emmanuel, God who is with us, God who came in a body. Lord, we are praying that in this season of time that you would draw hearts near to you. We are praying that in this season of time that you would open the hearts of every single one of us and you would open the hearts of those that are in this city our precious city, our beautiful city, our blessed city. Father, we're praying that in this season, Lord, we're asking that you would divinely connect our lives and cross our paths with those that are in desperate need of an encounter with God. Father, we believe that you have put a word in our lips to encourage the weary. We believe that you've put a word in our lips, God, to put joy into the hearts of those that are downcast in this season. And we're looking for opportunities. Lord, I bless this house in this season. And I pray that in this Antioch family Christmas season, you would not only draw us closer to you, Lord, but you would draw us closer to one another. We're asking you this with faith and expectation in Jesus' name. Everybody said this morning, amen. Amen. Well, I've got a couple of targets on the wall this morning. Number one, I wanna talk about the fact that the the birth of Jesus, the celebration of the birth of Jesus very simply is the celebration of our adoption into the family of God. So today we're gonna be talking about what is family and what are the marks of a biblical family. And next week we're gonna talk about the benefits and the privileges and the blessings that come with family. And then we're gonna talk about, in our final week before Christmas, we're gonna talk about the blessings that flow through family. And we're gonna talk about the fact that God created the family to bless the nations of the earth. That that the family really is God's idea and God's design in order for the nations to be blessed. And uh, that's gonna be exciting. But today what we're gonna talk about is what is the biblical family? What's the purpose of it? And so we're gonna actually follow two parallel tracks today. We're gonna talk about the natural family, but we're also gonna talk about the spiritual family because everything that God does in the natural is to reflect a pattern or a principle in the spiritual. The family that God creates in the natural is to be a reflection of the family of God in the spirit. So let's begin by talking very simply on um, why do we have family? I want you to write this down if you're taking notes. We are a family because God is a father. We are a family because God is a father. God's not just a nebulous, you know, uh, ethereal being in the cosmos that somehow accidentally things in the earth were created and, and accidentally people were created. At the core of who God is, he is a father. We know many things about God. We know that he's king and he's judge. We know that he's Lord. We know that he's creator. Today we sing songs about the greatness of God. We sing songs about the majesty of God, the power of God. All of these are attributes of God. But today what I wanna submit to you is at the core of who God is, the very essence of who God is, he's a father. He is is a being who desires family. He is a being that desires intimacy, affection, community, and connection with spirit beings. If you have your Bibles, turn with me, if you would, to the book of Matthew chapter six, verse nine. And I don't know how familiar some of you guys are with scripture, 
But in the Old Testament, we see that God created humanity for relationship with humanity and then humanity out of his own will, out of his own uh, purposeful intention chose to divorce himself from relationship with God. And we see all throughout the Old Testament, literally that God is pursuing the heart of mankind. And, and there's many stories and many, many pictures and many people and many processes that God walks through. But if you look through the Old Testament, essentially what we see is that God builds a people and he builds a nation and he's constantly pursuing the heart of humanity. Now the epitome of God pursuing the heart of humanity is in his son, Jesus. And we see a definitive break from the Old Testament into the New Testament. God has constantly been pursuing his people, but here he chooses to come near in sending his son, Jesus. See, God could have saved humanity any way that he wanted to. He could have saved humanity through angels. He could have saved humanity through another person. But in his sovereignty, he chose to send the second person of the Godhead, his son, Jesus Christ, fully God, come to be fully man, to come and save mankind from their sins. In Matthew chapter six, we see God's son, Jesus, and he's teaching his disciples how to pray. Because they ask him, master, we see that there's something different about the way that you pray. Now, these guys are religious and these guys have um, traditions of man, but the way that you pray is different. There's, there's some, what I call, there's some sauce on that thing. All right, there's some stank on your prayers in a, in a very good way. So, okay, it's a really good thing. And uh, there's some mustard on that hot dog. All right, and so they said, hey, how do you pray? Teach us how to pray. And this is, this is Jesus's pattern of prayer that he teaches them. Matthew chapter six, beginning in verse nine, this is what Jesus says. This then is how you should pray. And here's what I wanna turn your eyes to. Jesus says, our father, the very beginning of our connection and communication and communion with God in the new covenant is learning how to approach God and how to see God, not just as creator, not, ju not just as lawgiver, not just as the one who's gonna judge the nations, but the thing that sets apart this pursuit of God after mankind is he says, I want you to know that at the heart of who I am, I'm father. At the heart of who I am, I'm father. Now I know that that word in and of itself may evoke a lot of emotions for a lot of us. And that word in and of itself may evoke a lot of disappointment or frustration or, or, or even bitterness. But I want you to know today that if you could imagine the picture of a perfect father, you know, the brokenness and the bitterness and the disappointment that is resonant within our own hearts is only indicative of this one fact, that our heart knows, our heart knows that there was something more that it was created for. Our heart knows that maybe the failure of our fathers is an implication that there is something that's greater. And my submission to you today, Antioch, is that there is something greater, and that is the perfect of a picture of the, 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 the picture of a perfect father pursuing the hearts of his children. And so I want you to know today that family is God's idea. It's not man's idea. Now, we're actually in a cultural battle right now that's very, very important for us to pay attention to because the spirit of this age, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but we wrestle, we, we labor, we fight against principalities and powers that belong to the power of this, of this world, which is the enemy, the devil, Satan, Lucifer. 
And the enemy knows, he knows, he's very keen on God's plan to bless the nations through the institution of the family, both natural and spiritual. And so what he has decided to do is if he can erase the lines of what a biblical family is, if he can disintegrate the power and the purpose of the biblical family, essentially he can influence for negative the nations of the world. Family is God's design. Family is God's order. Family is God's idea. And family begins with God because at the core of who God is, he's father. I want you to think about this, the mark of a biblical family. What I'm gonna do is I'm going to weave in with each of these points of a biblical worldview of family. I'm gonna weave in some marks that you can be looking for and that you can strategically and intentionally be developing in your natural family, but also that we as a spiritual family can be adopting and working into our spiritual family of Antioch as well. I want you to think about this. The mark of a biblical family is that in family, we experience the uniqueness of identity. We experience the uniqueness of identity. And that comes from who the father is. You know, the beautiful thing about fathers is that fathers give identity to sons and daughters. And God as our father gives identity to us. And not only does he give identity to us as individuals, but he also gives identity to us as families. God is the one through whom this, the culture of heavenly families comes out of. I want you to think about this thought. Every aspect of who God is shapes what the family could be. Every aspect of who he is shapes what our families could be. So if you ever get lost in parenting or Lord, I'm not exactly sure the blueprint or the compass, what I would say to you is look to God. Look to the character and look to the nature of God. And very many times, even in my own journey, what I've found is I reflect on the way that I'm parenting my children, the way that I'm fathering my children, the way that I'm being a husband to my wife. Many times what I'll do is I'll just reflect on the way that God treats me in very, very similar situations. And what I've come to find out is when I mess up, God doesn't give me the silent treatment. And when I mess up, God doesn't remind me of my mistakes. And when I mess up, God doesn't manipulate me into feeling bad so that he can have some weird power trip over me relationally. Are you, are you following me today? Now, I might be talking on some things in our marriages and our families because what we've done is maybe we've patterned our responses uh, after the way that our parents did things or maybe we've patterned them after the way that we've seen things or maybe we've just patterned them after our own selfish, sinful, soulish ways. But if you ever get lost in how to parent your children or how to you know, walk out your relationship with your spouse, always look to the character and the nature of God because it is out of the character of God that we see the pattern of what a family could be. Let me give you some examples here. His identity shapes our identity and gives us significance. Now you've heard us say this here many, many times, but the path to being a great father or being a great mother is learning how to be a great son or being a great daughter, okay? Sonship is the pathway to great fatherhood and to great motherhood. Once we become locked in, in security in our sonship with the father, out of that overflows the ability to put security of sonship into our children, both natural and spiritual. Another thought here is his purpose gives us destiny. 
His purpose gives us destiny. Don't you know that every natural family has a destiny? Every natural family has a divine calling on its life. Every natural family has a purpose for it to fulfill. We'll talk about that a couple of weeks from now, but very quickly, we see that throughout the Old Testament families, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, and through the redemptive purposes and plans of family, God starts saving nations. Your family has a purpose. The purpose of your family comes out of the fact that we serve a God of mission, that we serve a God of destiny. God is not a random haphazard accidental God. Your life has purpose. Your family has purpose because God is a God of purpose. Number three, his unconditional love provides us acceptance. One of the worst things that we can do as parents to our children is set up a, a faulty system by which we only praise them when they do great things. What we do is we train them to perform and we train them to hide when we only validate them and affirm them and praise them when they've only done something good or when we're silent or distant when they've made mistakes. That's not how God treats us. I want you to know today that maybe you're here today and you may feel in your heart distant from the Lord. Maybe you've bought into an idea that you've got to be perfect or you've got to perform for him or you've got to validate your standing before God in front. I want to tell you some good news today. That very simply, God is a God who unconditionally loves you. And we can learn how to love our children and we can love how, learn how to love our family spiritually without condition. And it, pro, it, it produces an acceptance on a heart level. Out of the Father, we see that his faithfulness gives us the security of belonging. There's something that's so powerful that is built in, it's hardwired into the DNA of humanity. And that very simply is this, we were created to belong. You were created to belong. And it's, and it's amazing when you study uh, socio, socio, uh, sociology, when you study uh, children, when you study different demographics of people and you study their past, you'll see that people will do almost anything to belong. Young women will compromise their purity to belong. Young men will um, compromise their integrity and their conscience to belong. Young men will hurt others so that they'll belong. Young men will defame themselves to belong. They'll hurt themselves just so they can taste and touch that sense or that feeling of the, of the acceptance that comes with belonging. But friends, I want you to know that all of that, th those are just pseudo forms of belonging. Those are, those, are, those are false substitutes of belonging. Here in the house of God, here in the family of God, in our natural families, because of our relationship with the perfection of the security of the one who opens his arms for us to belong, we can truly create an atmosphere of belonging. You know, we were talking about uh, the volunteer ministry a couple days ago and as a staff, and we were talking about our greeters and there was somebody who made the statement. He said, you know, if we're doing our job right, every member of the family should be a greeter. Because one of the things that we wanna create in this family, you know, every family has its own culture. And in this family, we wanna create the culture where every single person who comes in here, they experience on a very deep, profound and authentic level, they experience belonging. 
And, and listen, that goes beyond just, you know, the charades of doing the right things and putting on the smile and shaking hands, all that, you know, we wanna shake hands, we wanna smile, we wanna connect with people, but I'm talking about an authentic love for people that says no matter your story, no matter what you look like, no matter what you've been through, no matter what you smell like, you may not, you, you may not look like us, our arms are open wide and we want you here and we, we want to walk a journey with you. We want a house where people experience on a core level, the spirit of belonging. Why? Because that's who God is. That's who our father is. That's what he desires. And if that's not been your experience here, or if that's not been your experience in another family of God in this city or in your past today as a pastor of the Lord, I wanna apologize to you. And I want you to know that we are not perfect, but we are moving towards progress to have the spirit and the culture of acceptance and belonging flow freely through our natural feeble lives. That's our heart, that's what we desire. Christ's birth makes it possible for us to relate to God as father. Number two, if you guys are taking notes, we are a family because the Trinity is a family. Not only are we a family because God at his core is a father, we are a family and God has called us into family. Family is God's idea because think about this, family has existed throughout all of eternity. See, I've never thought about the Trinity as a family before, but the more that I've been studying a biblical worldview of family, and guys, the implications of this are extremely profound. As we think about the fact that family is God's idea because it has existed in eternity in the, in the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we are invited into that eternal fellowship that God is experiencing within the Godhead. Turn with me in your Bibles, if you would, to Genesis chapter one, verse 26. Genesis chapter one is the, is the story of creation. And at the apex of God's creative work, what we find is that God creates his masterpiece. And something that's very, very interesting is that when God chooses to create man, he actually breaks pattern. Because what we see is beginning in the very early verses of chapter one, God sees, God speaks, and it appears. God sees, God speaks, and it appears. And so he just begins imagining things. He wants to create a son. He imagines it, he speaks it, it comes into existence. But after God creates all of these things, animals, birds, trees, all of these things, something very, very interesting happens. God pauses. And it's almost as if, before he creates his crowning work. Watch what happens in verse 26. Bible says, then God said, let us make man in our image. God is taking counsel with the Trinity. So up until this time, he's running this thing. See it, speak it, it appears. See it, speak it, appear. But now he's creating something. He's creating someone that actually reflects the Trinity. You and I, in our, in our very being, we reflect Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Now, 
as we, as we follow this out and we follow the biblical worldview of family, what we'll also see is that you and I, though we reflect the imago Dei, we are made in the image and likeness of God. We have the ability to connect with God and commune with God unlike any other creature on this planet. We are still incomplete until we're found in union with another man or another woman, male, male with female, female with male. We're incomplete. And we see this in Genesis chapter two, where God is looking at the man and everything that God has created. He said, it's good, it's good, it's good. And then he comes to the male and he says, it's not good that he be alone. And the reason why is because even anatomically and biologically, we see that man and woman were created to be as one. And the reason why is as God brings man and woman together, they have within them the capability to experience what God experiences in the Trinity to produce family. We are a family because the Trinity is a family. And we are invited into the eternal fellowship, affection and intimacy of God that has always existed. It has always existed. You know, when we try to approach the Trinity just doctrinally or theologically, we're gonna get lost because it's a mystery that is beyond our ability to understand. But if you and I can approach the Trinity relationally and we can see that as a pattern of community that God is inviting all of humanity into, it makes sense and it's beautiful and it's mysterious and sovereign and divine. But boy, I tell you, we are invited into family because family has always existed throughout eternity. The mark of a biblical family that I see in the Trinity is twofold. Number one, I see the significance of relationship, but, but I also see the significance of responsibility. It's within the Trinity that we see the division of labor. We see the division of labor that exists between Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We see mutual submission and honor in the Trinity. We see uh, recognition of gifts and abilities. We see delegation of assignments. And how many of you guys know that in natural families, in order for natural families to function well, every member of the family, when they come to a place of ability and accountability, every member of the family should receive some responsibility. I wanna say that one more time. That every member of the family, when they come to a place of ability, and accountability, they should receive a responsibility. And the younger that we can teach our children based on their level or their measure of ability, the younger we can give them assignment and responsibility, the more we will prepare them, not only for fruitfulness in the world, but we will secure them into our natural family. Here's why, because work gives people meaning. Meaningful work gives people meaning. And our responsibility as fathers and mothers is to take mundane work and to provide meaning to it in the shaping and in the training and development of our children. That's how God approaches us. It's one of the reasons why we make such a big to-do about those who volunteer because those who volunteer are essentially saying we consider ourselves part of the family and according to our ability in time, in resources, in, in, in other responsibilities, according to our ability, we want to be held accountable by being given a responsibility to help this family. 
Responsibility gives people significance. Responsibility connects people's hearts one to another. It's amazing that when you start getting people serving one another and serving a cause, your heart opens up towards that. And that's what happens both in natural families and in spiritual families. The Trinity reveals that God's pattern for families is both relationship and responsibility. Let's go to uh, the third point here. And that very simply is that the biblical family is God's idea because we were adopted into the family of God. So not only is it God's idea because at the heart of who God is, he's a father. Number two, the biblical family is God's idea because family has existed in the Trinity throughout all of eternity. But number three, the biblical family is God's idea because we were adopted into a greater family. In the same way that you and I were born physically into a physical family, the scripture talks about in John chapter three that you and I were born again. In fact, in John chapter three, Jesus is having a conversation with a religious teacher of that day. His name is Nicodemus. And he comes to Jesus in the middle of the night because he doesn't want all the other religious guys to know what's going on. And he says, hey, um, got some questions here. And Jesus begins to give him in the simplest language, in the simplest language, Jesus begins to explain to him what it means to be spirit creatures, what it means to have a spirit relationship with God. And this is where Jesus says, listen, if you wanna enter the kingdom of God, you must be, say it with me, born again. And then Nicodemus asks this very odd question, but it just goes to show that he wasn't thinking spiritually. He was only thinking naturally. He says, how can a man be born again? How can he enter back into his mother's womb and be born? And Jesus' response is very, very simple. He says, and how can you be a teacher of Israel if you can't get this fundamental principle that we're talking about spiritual realities here? And he explains this incredible transformative work of God. He explains this incredible spiritual reality by using very natural language. And he essentially says, in the same way that you were born physically, you've got to be reborn spiritually. You and I were born into natural families. We didn't have a choice. In fact, go with me if you would to John chapter one. John chapter one, verse 12. We're going to look at verse 12 and 13. One of my absolute favorite passages of scripture says to those who believed in him, to those who received him, he gave the right to become children of God. That word right, many other translations, some say authority and some say privilege. It's a very, very powerful word. It means that we have been given the legal rights of sons. You and I, when we became born again, when we made that spiritual decision that we believed in the powerful truth of the gospel, that we believe that at the heart of who God is, he's a father, that we believe that God created a family and the very first brother of that family chose to divorce himself from God. So, so God said, sent his other son, his only son, he sent Jesus to come and pursue humanity as a sinless substitute and sacrifice for all of mankind. And it's through Jesus's death and resurrection that we now have a path back into relationship with God. Scripture essentially says, if you'll believe that and you'll devote your heart to that and you'll commit yourself to being back into the family, relationally and spiritually, he says, you'll be born again and you'll be in the family of God. And you will have all the rights and you will have all the privileges, all the benefits, all the bennies, all the blessings 
of what it means to be in the family. And listen, I'm telling you, next week we're gonna talk about this, but the blessings of being in the family are great. They are great. Let's keep reading this verse here. To those who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right, the authority, the legal privilege and power to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, children not born of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. By implication, he is saying that you and I were born naturally as a result of the decisions of our parents. Very easy to understand. But he's saying essentially when you and I were born spiritually, it wasn't because of a decision that our father made. It wasn't a decision because of a decision our mother made. It wasn't even a decision in its core that you and I made. We were born again. The opportunity to be born again, the ability to come into relational communion with God and his family happened primarily because of his decision and his pursuit of us. We belong to something bigger than ourselves. I wanna encourage you today, Antioch Church, by mere virtue of the fact that you are in the family of God, you belong to something bigger than yourselves. And my appeal to you today is that I believe that our concept of the family of God may be a little limited. And I'm after something in the spirit, I really am. I'm after, as, as we continue to take our relational journey together, I believe, I really believe that the family of God in its purest, most potent, most, most authentic form is the hope of the world. I really do. I think what we've done is we've reduced the family of God to church. And our ideas and our views on church are so low and so limited, they're so limited that we've, we've substituted the power of what the family could do to restore broken humanity and we've pawned that off to a poor substitute of church. I believe that according to John chapter 17, that if you and I, if, if you and I choose and it, and it requires choosing over and over and over and over and over and over again. And it's part of the beauty of it. I didn't get to choose the family I was born into. I get to choose this family. You know, a few weeks ago, after John Alley had come and he had spoken to the house, he referenced a verse in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 12, where the apostle Paul, operating as a spiritual father to the church at Corinth, is making an appeal to these people. And this is what he said. He says, we have opened wide our hearts to you but yet you've closed your hearts to us and now I'm asking you, and he says this, he says, I'm asking you as dear children, open wide your hearts to us. I began chewing on that verse and meditating on it over and over after the conference. And I was up early one morning, just participating in some listening prayer. And the Lord began speaking to me that I closed my heart off to some very key relationships. Not in anger, not in malice, not in hurt, not in bitterness but the familiarity of proximity and time, if we're not intentional, will just become very automatic in our relationships. In order for our family to become all that this family could be in the spirit, we have to constantly choose to open our hearts one to another. 
In your life groups, when you meet week in and week out, there's gonna be, there's a danger that's gonna come that you just, oh, I know this person, I know their stories, I know their quirks, I know their idiosyncrasies and they're gonna pop up and they're gonna start talking here. And what you have to do is you have to go in every week and say, I open my heart to these people. And I open my heart to, be a, to, to express affection. I open my heart to receive them as a gift of God. I open my heart to learn who they are, to know them and be known by them. And it requires a constant re-upping. We need that in our marriages. We need that. Look guys, let me, let me tell you, I've experienced tremendous breakthrough in my own marriage because the Lord at very key points of my journey had to pull me aside and say, son, your heart's not open to your wife. And again, we're not talking about being on the brink of divorce. We're not talking about, you know, anger and violence in the house. We're talking about being intentional about saying, God, I choose to have a wide open heart where affection and love and trust and intimacy can flow one to another. And by, by mere virtue of time and the familiarity that comes with proximity, if we're not intentional, we'll just coast. We'll coast with the ones that are closest to us. We'll coast with our children. We'll coast with our parents and we'll coast with the family of God that God has called us into. You're called to something bigger. Look at Ephesians chapter one with me, if you would, because I think even more than John chapter one, verse 12, Ephesians one, beginning in verse three, expresses the heart of what we're trying to communicate today. And that is not only were we born again into the family of God, we were chosen. There's a very powerful word here that the apostle Paul used in Ephesians. The scripture says we were adopted. Look with me beginning Ephesians chapter one, verse three. Scripture says, praise be to the God and father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us. Would you say this with me today? Would you say, I am chosen. You know, by implication, it means that you're wanted. And if you would just say that out loud, say, I'm wanted. It says, he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. And I love this, watch this. It says, in love, he predestined us. In other words, he predetermined. There was a destination that he already decided in advance that he wanted to bring us to. And it says, he predestined us to be adopted as his sons through Jesus Christ. Why is Christmas so important? It says it right here. Why is the advent of the Christ child so important? It says it right here, that unless he came to the earth, it was through Jesus that we had the opportunity to be adopted back into the family. Some incredible important concepts here not the least of which is that God knew what he was doing when he chose you. Your birth wasn't an accident. Your life is not an accident. And regardless of the mistakes that you made or may be making, and regardless of the failures or regardless of the way that you put yourself on the examination table day in and day out and always find yourself coming up short, scripture says, God wanted you in his family. If we can wrap our hearts around this, this will unlock the spirit of sonship inside of us 
like never before. Friend, let me tell you, I, I've been walking with God. I've known God. I've, I've memorized scripture. I went to youth camps. I went on mission trips. I had experiences, encounters with God in the place of worship. Uh, I read my Bible faithfully, prayed passionately, but it wasn't until I wrapped my heart around this one fundamental truth. that God as father wants me, regardless of the great things I've done, or the bad things I've done. He wants me. He desires me. He delights in me. I'm telling you, when, when, when I had the courage to believe that, not just mentally, when it sunk down into the core of my being, when it sunk down into the core of my identity, and I realized the core of my identity is not a preacher, it's not a pastor, it's not a missionary, it's not a prayer warrior. The core of my identity is a beloved son. The core of my identity is one who's been unconditionally loved. The core of my identity is one who has been radically forgiven over and over and over again, not by just someone who wants to forgive, but by a father who pursues the heart of a son. Listen, when when my heart wrapped itself around that, you wanna talk about confidence that comes from security. You wanna talk about the freedom that comes from not having to perform. You wanna talk about the ability to let criticism roll off my back. You wanna talk about freedom in the spirit. You wanna talk about direction in the Lord. Friends, I'm here to tell you that comes when we choose to believe that we're wanted, not because of how great we perform. We're wanted because at the core of who God is, he is a father who radically pursued us in the birth of his son, Jesus, who wants us to be a part of his family. Listen, I, I can't imagine my family, can't imagine my family with one of my kids missing. I was talking with the Bonds, I can't remember if it was last year or the year before. I was talking with the Swanks about this very same thing. You know, Swanks have five kids, the Bonds have eight. And I remember in conversations with them, they, they would make mention of things like, what would our family be like without Kariana? Being complete. What would their family be like without Henry? It'd be incomplete. What would the Swanks family be like without Josiah? without honor, without grace, it would absolutely be incomplete. Now that we have tasted the joy and the richness of family with this person, to imagine life without that person would be completely insufficient. Friend, the same goes for you. God's heart is so big and so broad and so full And you bring something so unique and so significant and so beautiful that he says, I want you. I want you in my home. I want you around the table. Listen, you need to understand this very, very important thing that because God is who he is, that every single one of us get the best seat at the table. In God's family, in God's family, there are no uh, children that have to, uh, you know, beg for scraps or have to sit, you know, in the corner or have to, you know, sit at the far end of the table. In his family, every single one of us get the best seat. And here is our last mark of a healthy biblical family. Number one, it's that families bring us identity, right? It's like in our family that we receive identity for positive or for negative. In the natural family, you received identity from your family. And in this house, I believe that you can receive identity as well. 
God has marked this house with an identity of sonship. He's marked this house with the identity of the kingdom. He's marked this house with the identity of holy community, with the identity of the nations. He's marked this house with identity. Number two, it's in family we have responsibility, the significance of assignment. But finally, number three, it is in family that we experience the security of belonging. Unconditional acceptance. We will make mistakes, I guarantee you. I think I might've mentioned this last week, I'm already reflecting on 2014 and all I can see is this glaring list of mistakes that I've made in a very good way. I'm excited about 2015, if for nothing more than to work on the list from 2014. (laughs) But I'm telling you with my mistakes and with my growth journey, the father is, he's so excited for me. He delights in me, even though I've made tons of mistakes. And listen, what you're gonna have to learn to do is you're gonna have to learn to delight in me too with all of my mistakes. And I'm gonna have to learn to delight in you with all of your mistakes. And we're gonna have to learn to delight in each other because biblical families freely give unconditional grace and forgiveness and acceptance. And we have the ability to do that. We have the capability to do that because of who our daddy is. It would be impossible for us to do this. It would be willpower. It would be soul driven. It would be works oriented, but because of who God is inside of us, because our father is rich in mercy and love, we then can be rich in mercy and love one to another. Friends, I want you to know today as we begin our series on an Antioch family Christmas, You have identity, you have assignment and responsibility, but most importantly, you belong both naturally and spiritually. And we wanna say to you that we want you to belong here. And we want you to belong to us and we wanna belong to you. And that that just doesn't, in the spirit, it can happen in a moment. But then what we do is we walk out the fruit of belonging to one another. We walk that out complete with its disappointments. You know, just this past week, I had, had such an incredible conversation with a couple here in this house. I sat at the table and uh, Christy and I sat with this wonderful couple and essentially they just sat down and said, you know, we, we've been very disappointed this year and, and these are some things that we've been disappointed in and, and because we love you and because we don't wanna see you repeat Uh, these mistakes and disappointing other people as well, we wanna bring these to your attention. And man, in humility and gratitude, we said this has been a great service to us. And we are so sorry in the way that our shortcomings and the challenges of this season have affected you. We own these 100%. But if you would give us the great privilege of signing up again relationally so that we can continue to grow together. And they did. And we, you know, it was just, it was a beautiful, powerful thing. Listen, I think we miss opportunities I think we miss opportunities for relationships to be what they could be when we run from them instead of running into them. And listen, it's scary and fearful and it's intimidating, but I'm telling you, I've walked through it enough to tell you that if both parties will be quick to forgive and quick to repent and quick to own, I'm telling you, man, it forms and forges something that is almost indestructible in the spirit and the enemy hates it. Listen, if for nothing more than to tick the enemy off, do it for that. If for nothing more than to become a threat to the kingdom of darkness, pull in, don't run away. Hey guys, let's stand to our feet this morning.
I'm gonna lead us in a time of prayer and ministry to you. And um, without putting anybody in the spot or making anybody feel awkward, if we could just honor the sacred space of this moment and just close our eyes and bow our heads. And if you're here today and you would say, you know, Jade, some of the things you said today really, really resonated with me. In terms of, I've not felt like an insider. I felt like an outsider. I've not felt like I belong to a family. I grew up with a broken family. I've not felt like I belong to a natural family. And if I were to be honest, I've not felt like I belong to a spiritual family, not this one or any other one. But something in my heart convinces me of the fact that what you're saying could be true. I also recognize that this is not gonna be an automatic work. It's gonna, it's gonna require some, it's gonna require some change. It's gonna require some healing on my part. But I, I want to experience a greater measure of connectedness to the family of God and or I wanna experience a greater measure of heaven in my natural family. If that's you, can I pray for you today? I wanna pray for your heart. I wanna pray for your natural families, your marriages, your relationship with your children or your parents or even your parents that may have passed away. I wanna pray for those who feel disconnected from the body of Christ. And right now, Father, today in the name of Jesus, but I pray for your precious sons and daughters here in this room, those raising their hands and those, those not. Lord, you know what's happening right now in the corridor of every person's heart. Father, today I'm asking you to do what only you as a perfect father can do. Number one, Lord, I'm asking that you would reveal who you are as a perfect father. Lord, I would even be so bold that today if there are people here that have never experienced the truth and the love of who you are, I'm asking today that by your spirit, you'd reveal that to every wayward heart or to every broken heart. I'm asking today, Lord, that you would do a special work in natural families this season. Between husbands and wives, between parents and children, between siblings, between children's and their parents, God of the family, would you come and restore our families? God of the family, would you come and heal our family? God of the family, would you come and would you bring the very essence of who you are into our natural families? And Lord, today we just choose to open our hearts to whatever it is you wanna say, what adjustments do I need to make, Lord? What adjustments do the fathers in this house need to make? What adjustments do the mothers? What adjustments do the husbands? What adjustments do the wives and the children? What adjustments do we need to make? And we're asking God today, we choose to open our hearts to you. We open our hearts to you today. We open our hearts wide to you. And today we open our hearts wide to our family. And Lord, today I pray for those who feel disconnected spiritually. For whatever reason, and every different, there's a different reason for every one of us, but I'm asking you today, Lord, today, by your spirit, release the grace of holy community, release the grace of spiritual family, release the baptism of unity in the body and knit our hearts together. Do something that, that truly only your spirit could do. God, we ask that this house would be one of the most belonging houses on the planet. We ask that the love of God would flow through us freely and abundantly. In Jesus' name. God bless you, Antioch Church. And uh, part one 
an Antioch family Christmas. We're looking forward to experiencing the next couple weeks with you and then capstoning this with our Christmas Eve service on December the 24th. God bless you guys. We love you dearly and uh, have such a fruitful week this week.